Last week, I shared with you a message kind of close to my heart of four things a pastor needs from you, right? We talked about three P's and an E, and what were those? That was prayer, patience, participation, and encouragement. And I kind of wrapped that message up with kind of four questions off of those four areas and asked you this, have, you, have I prayed for my pastor? Have I been patient with him? Have I participated alongside him in the work of the Lord? And have I shared stories of how God is working in my life, the next steps that I'm taking? Again, I kind of challenged you last week of, you know, it's, it's nice for people to say in a way, but it's the applause of men, hey, great message, right? And what do I always do? I always point people back to the Lord and say that he gets the credit, I'm just the vessel, Sometimes I even go back for a period of growth. I, I go back and I listen to some of my messages. Sometimes I fall asleep, so I, I know why y'all do. <clears throat> I shouldn't listen to them as I'm trying to go to bed. But, um, <clears throat> but in essence, the thing is, you know, it just it warms my heart to hear those times where you say, hey, this really made me think, or this helped me in this particular way. And so I guess today as... We kind of entered week two of me being your lead pastor is we just have to come to the table and ask this question. What's next? What's next? And and I've been wrestling with that question over the last few weeks, especially the last two weeks. What's next? I I think this morning, and I want to invite you to take your copy of God's word and turn to the book of Psalms. There's a lot that we can learn from the psalmist. Right, First and foremost, that they're raw and real with God, that we see them pouring their hearts out. But I want you to go to Psalm 86, and as you're turning there, I just want to give you a, a kind of background picture of how we got to where we are this morning. First and foremost, I want to thank Ms. Jenny Taylor for her insight, for her wisdom, for her love, because for her family, one of the things that she did, we had her homegoing service recently, and one of the things that she did was she kind of spelled out what she wanted, the songs and, and, and who she wanted to sing them, and she even got down to what verse she wanted to preach, and I was like, well, praise God, that made my job really easy, and I got to looking at the verse that she led me to, and as I think back on her life and her legacy, I think this morning, as we think about what's next, I I think that there's a lot of truth to be found in this verse. So look with me in Psalm 86, verse 11. This would be Miss Jenny's life verse, if you will. It's her leading wisdom as she's passed on from this life to the next. She's gone to her heavenly home. And so she wants to remind us, I want to remind you this morning of this truth, that David says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth Unite my heart to fear your name. So, as we look at this this morning, I just want to unpack it. But before I unpack it, I just wanted to kind of sit there for a minute. As we look at this particular passage, if we, as we look at this psalm of David, David was not necessarily looking back on any one particular event in his life. He was looking back on, on uh, as at a whole. And he was saying in this, it's a beautiful song, he's talking about the the steadfast love of the Lord, how great it is. And so let's look at this verse, and as we think about uh, the notion of what's next, I think this is where we begin. The psalmist also says in Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do thy will, my Lord. 
It's the Lord's will that we should be doing. Amen? It's not what we want. It's not what we desire. What does God want in this process? If I could give you kind of three C's that we're going to talk about today as well to, to kind of to add this in there, is that there needs to be communication, there needs to be conversations, and there are comfort zones. You'll hear more about that. But let's look at Psalm 86, verse 11, and we'll unpack this. So first and foremost, David says, teach me your way. Teach me your way. And I want to ask you this morning, we have to ask, each of us have to ask ourselves, am I teachable? Am I teachable? Am I going to allow the Lord to work in my life and to show me things that I do not know? Am I going to allow the Lord to change my way of thinking and to help me see things differently? Teach me your way. His way. Teach me. As I think this morning of how the Lord teaches, how the Lord speaks, you've heard me say this before. I will say it again because it is a great reminder. The Lord speaks, the Lord teaches four primary ways. What are those four ways? He speaks and he teaches through his spirit. He speaks and he teaches us through his word. He speaks and he teaches through other people in our lives. And he speaks and he teaches us through the circumstances that we go through. His spirit, his word, other people, and the circumstances of our lives. And so we have to ask ourselves as we begin to look at this passage, as we begin to think about what's next, we have to ask ourselves, not your neighbor, not the person across the room, am I teachable? Do I know it all? Or am I allowing the Lord to teach me, to change my way of thinking? Because I don't know about you, if we were to have a time of testimony and pass the microphone, has there ever been a time in your life to where you believed and you thought a certain thing and you were so dead set on that, and then farther along, you understood more about it. Farther along, you, you knew more, and so then you, you, that shifted. Right? Sometimes in that, you had to go back and ask for repentance. But have there ever been times in your life where you're like, man, I, I missed the mark. I really didn't see that as clearly as I thought I did. So am I teachable? David goes on to say that I may walk... In your truth. And this morning, I want to remind you that the Christian walk, the walk, it's a walk with Jesus. Amen. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's, I mean, the most time people run a marathon, I couldn't run a marathon if I tried. I could barely run a 5K or three miles. But listen, it's a, it's a journey. It's a, it's a walk. It's walking with him. That, that to me, what this reminds us of is there's forward movement. We're, we're moving forward. Yes, there are times to be still and know that he's God. There are times to pour out our heart in prayer. But there are also times that we must get up from praying and we must f put feet to our prayers. 
And we must go in, you know, for instance, you've heard me quote this song before, that in essence the song says that, you know, I shook my fist at heaven and said, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did, I created you. He's created each of us uniquely, individually. There are none of us alike. There may be some similarities, but we're all wonderfully and uniquely created and made in the image of God. And we're a part of a body. And there's no one person, there's no one part of that body that's more important than the other. It takes all of us working together. And that takes us walking together, walking individually, and walking collectively. That we're to walk in His truth, and we've got to know His word. We've got to be seeking His word. We've got to be seeing what He says is true. And then the last part of verse 11, he says, Unite my heart to fear your name. In essence, what David is asking God to do is to transform his heart and to give him a singular, undivided reverence for God. That's what he's asking him for. Unite my heart. Singular, undivided reverence for God. And then he uses this phrase, to fear your name. What does that mean? That means that there should be honor, that there should be reverence, that there should be respect. Yes, all of those things should take place, but there should also be obeying him. And I wrote in my notes that you honor him by obeying him. Amen. That's how we honor the Lord. We honor him by obeying what he has called us to do, to walk in truth, to walk with him, to be taught his way. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth and unite my heart to fear your name. I think this morning, as we think about what's next, I immediately went there because I think that there, that's such an amazing verse of Scripture. And you're going to see why here in just a minute. I'll come back and, and we'll circle back around to this. Something else I want you to see in this psalm. So hold your place there. But if you have your Bible, turn over to the New Testament, to the book of Acts. To the book of Acts. Now, what is Acts? Acts is, in essence, is a historical account of, of the church, of how the church began after Pentecost. And it teaches us a lot of, of what we should be doing, even now some 2,000 years later. And what I find interesting in Acts, I want you to go to Acts chapter 2. And as I think about the question of what's next, I can't help but go to this passage. And the Lord has taken me back there time and time again. And you'll probably see us go there again, again, and again because it's a great reminder. And so as we look this morning of asking the question of what's next, I want you to see what Luke pens on their inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, under the heading of the fellowship of the believers. What does Luke say? He says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings 
and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. Then we see this interesting phrase. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What's next? We look to Acts chapter 2 of what is next. That, that, that we have to look back at what we were looking at in Psalm 86 verse 11. What? We're, we, need to, we need to be pouring our hearts out to the Lord. Lord, teach me your way that I may walk in your truth and unite my heart to fear your name. That should be our prayer individually, but that should also be our prayer collectively. Amen. As the body of Christ, as, as Bethel Baptist Church, that should be our cry. Lord, teach us your way that we may walk in your truth. Look at, look, at, uh, look at what Luke tells us in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. So what was important in those days? The apostles' teaching and preaching the word and fellowship. They found community with one another. Y'all, y'all hear me talk about community a lot because it's important in Christendom. It was important for the first church, and it should be important for us now. We cannot get away from community. Is there going to be strife and unrest? Sure. Why? Because we're human. We're sinful creatures saved by God. We forget that prayer of the Lord's way, and we want it what? Our way. But they devoted themselves. What an amazing word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. You know, they, signs and wonders were being done. Verse 44, they believed. Uh, all who believed were together and had all things in common. Then look at verse 45. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. They weren't, they weren't trying to build their own little nest egg, but they were giving and they were meeting the needs of those. We, we do that at Bethel, but how much more could we do? Right? We cooperate with other Baptist churches as you give your tithes and your offerings. For, uh, a portion of that goes to the cooperative program as we cooperate with other Baptist churches. And that goes to the International Mission Board, which sends uh, missionaries overseas and people will hear the gospel. But I want to challenge us to think, what's next? I think we need to, what are, how are we impacting our community? How are we giving to the needs of our community? There's a ministry in our town, United Ministries. They're, they're a parachurch organization that is doing amazing things in our community. We should be supporting them more. Because here's why. As people come and they have needs, we need to be sending them to United Ministries. Why? Because they have a system of checks and balances to be able to help people. I'd love for Mark to come and share, Mark Champagne to come and share with you one Sunday what God is doing in that ministry. Amazing what he does all the time. And I love to hear those stories of what he's doing. But I want you to know that they set those parameters. 
they have conversations with people. If, if people come in this time of year and they have an astronomical uh, light bill because they don't have good heating and air, or good, uh, well, they wouldn't need heat this time of year, but they don't have good air, and they have a, they have a high bill, they don't just come in and say, oh, you need help. Oh, here we go. We're going to stroke you a check. No, they sit down and they have conversations and they counsel them and they pray with them and they get to know their story and they say, okay, you have a $480 bill. We're only going to be able to help you with, you know, $300 of that or $280 of that. They have some kind of process they do. And so then you're going to have to go find the rest. And so that takes the burden off of us as a church, right? As people come, trust me, I've been in ministry for 10 years. I had a time, one time, I'm going to go from preaching to meddling here for a minute, but hang on, I'll get back. At a church out across from Thomas Sumter, a lady called me, and she lived over near like Home Branch. And I'm like, why, why are you calling the church all the way over across from Thomas Sumter? I said, do, do you not have a, a church home? Do you not have a church near you? Right? So people, they, people, they reach out all the time. And so I just, I would encourage us to begin to pray. How can we do more? How can we help others in need in our community? But then very quickly, just want to show you this. What? That Luke says they were attending temple together. They were breaking bread in their homes. There's something to be said for corporate worship, but they said they were what? They were breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all people. And then look at what the last part of verse 47 says. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Friends, it's not us. We're not gonna, we, you and I can never save anybody. Praise God, it's the Lord who will add to that number. And so I want us to begin to think today as we're talking about this, as we're talking about these different things. And I want to encourage you about this. What's next? Well, just raw and real, kind of in my notes this morning, I began to write down a few key words. And as I, as I was sitting at my desk, recently I wrote these words, what's next? And I wrote these particular words that we need to, pace ourselves, that we need to pray, that we need to prepare, that there needs to be a place. What have you heard me talk about? That there is on the front of your bulletin. Michelle changed that. I didn't ask her to. She did what? That, there's, that Bethel should be a place where people can believe, belong, and become who God intends them to be. There needs to be a place where they can do that. Amen? Then I ask us this morning, what's our purpose? Do we know our purpose? And I jotted down those three words of communicate, conversations, and comfort zone. So if you will, allow me just for a moment to kind of communicate this morning. First off, there has to be communication. And as your pastor, I, I mean, praise God, I, I don't have the lockdown. I don't have, I'm not an expert at this. I don't think I've ever met anybody who's an expert at communication. Any any strife, any misunderstanding, if you if you start digging just a little bit, peel back a little bit of that onion, it all boils down to communication. So I want you to know that I'm going to try my best to communicate with you what I can as, as we talk about vision, as we talk about what's next. Am I going to miss the mark? Sure. I can't help what's happened in the past and how things maybe weren't communicated to your liking or et cetera. But I can only promise you going forward that my job, my role prayerfully will be to communicate what I can to the best of my ability. 
And so that being said, you know, we've talked about this notion of unity. What did we hear earlier? There's a, there's a dinner. There's a social next Sunday night, an opportunity for us to get together, have a whole pizza lane just ourselves. Even if you don't like pizza, come. You know, get a, get a, I'll buy you a sweet tea or get a cup of water. Just come and fellowship with other believers. I'll even bring some Tums, amen? That way you can have some for the road on the way home. But listen, as we think about unity, one of the things I, I want to do this morning is I just want to talk about this. I want you all to put on your calendars Sunday, July the 24th. Sunday, July the 24th from 5.30 to 8 p.m. Lord willing, we will hold an event called Inward and Outward. Inward and Outward. Very simply, that evening we will have a meal together. We will be broken into tables. Then we will spend that evening, we'll spend a portion, the first portion of that night, and at your table you will look at ways how... Can we connect with those who are already at Bethel? Let's look inwardly for a minute. What do we need to connect and to grow the people that are already here? I don't want to give you any ideas. I want to hear your ideas. Right? And so what we'll do is we'll, that each person at your table, you will jot down those ideas. We will share those ideas and put them either on a screen or a whiteboard, wherever, we will list all those ideas. You will come back, and then I'm going to task you with this. If there's hopefully about 20 or so, 24 ideas on the board, I'm going to get you to pick your top three or four, discuss that at your table. And here's what this is going to do. This is going to give myself, this is going to give Austin, this is going to give the deacons, this is going to give the leadership of the church an opportunity to do a few things. What is that going to give us an opportunity to do? First off, some of you all may very well come up with an idea and it's like, oh my goodness, all we need is a $5 part, or we need this book, or we need this, and we can do that. So there's what I call low-hanging fruit. There's going to be some things, and it's like, wow, oh, all we need to do is, is buy this, uh, this device or this thing, and it's, it's really inexpensive. Okay, let's do that. There are going to be some things that we have to look at and pray through and, and work through, amen? And then there are going to be some things I call parking lot items. There might be some ideas that are thrown out that it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of prayer that we might not ever get to. But what that does is that allows me, that allows the leadership of the church to begin to pray through those things. So we will look inwardly, and then secondly, we will spend the next half of that evening, and we will look outwardly. How can we connect with our community? In what ways can we engage our community? Again, we'll list out those ideas. We'll try to figure out what's bubbling to the top. And so here's what I want you to know. This is your opportunity to come and to participate and have a voice in what the future looks like because God has gifted many of you in different ways than me. God has given you different burdens than he's given me. I'll give you one example, and I think I've given this before, and I'll continue to give it because it's lodged in my heart and my mind. We had a young lady who worked in the uh, realm of kids with autism, the autism spectrum. And she came to the deacon board at the time of the church that I was serving, and she said, look, I work in this spectrum. I work in this realm. There's no support group for these families to connect. I have, a, I have the passion to create a group, and I'm going to invite people in to to speak to them, and we're going to give them some refreshments, and we're going to give them a safe space to come 
And to be here, a lot of these people don't necessarily go to church, but we're just going to invite them here and love them anyway. And she said, can I use the fellowship hall? Yes. Right? She didn't come to us and say, hey, I think y'all should start that. No, it's what had she done in her heart and her mind. And that doesn't mean everything you come with that we're going to be able to do. But I just give you an example of what had happened. So inward and outward, put that on your calendar. Secondly, I want, I've also put a handout up here this morning. And so I would like over the course of the remainder of this month in July, I would like to do something called listening sessions. And so I have a packet. It has about 19 questions and uh, got one for you. And I would love for you to grab one of those if you're interested. What is a listening session? It's an opportunity for us to get to know each other. It's an opportunity to, for me to hear part of your story. One of the questions in there is, you know, what is the biblical role of a pastor? What's the biblical role of a deacon? How can I pray for you? But what it does is it gives the opportunity to connect. And so what you would do is you'll pick up this packet. It's a listening session questionnaire. You'll fill that out. And, hey, it says at the very top, I guess I need to, I'm speaking to myself, listen, don't overthink your answers, but prayerfully answer them. And include as little or as much information as you'd like. But your goal would be, if you're interested in that, what you would do is you'd pick that packet up, you'd fill it out, you can call the church office, you can call me, my telephone number is in the bulletin. And you can call me, we can set up a time, we can do it on Wednesday evening or Sunday afternoon, whatever, I'm willing to work with you or during the week, you can come up here, we'll make arrangements. Um, Just know if you're a lady, I'm not going to meet with you alone, have certain boundaries and things that I set in place, so I have Michelle nearby or whatever, that's just something I do to protect myself, protect you, protect the ministry that God's called me to. But listen, the listening session questionnaire, just fill it out. Fill it out, and we'll have a conversation. It gives me an opportunity to get to know you, hear your heart, etc. So now, what I'd like for you to do is, how many of you still have a copy of your bulletin? If you have a copy of your bulletin, I want you to look in your bulletin, and there's a Connect card. There's a Connect card. I want you to get that Connect card. I want you to write your name where it says Name. Okay, so take your Connect card, write name, and we're going to try something. I got an idea, and sometimes that's scary. I know y'all say, oh, Lord, pastor's got an idea. Whew, that's scary. I know, it's scary for me too. Um, Listen, write your name where it says name. Now, at the bottom where it says prayer matters or you have the lines, here's one thing I want you to think about. We're going to test this thing I, I feel like the Lord's given me. Our job at Bethel Baptist Church is to make disciples. Not see how many people we can get to come to church. Not see how many members we can pad the role with. Our goal at Bethel Baptist Church is to make disciples. Okay? If we're going to make disciples, then that, we're going to have to be intentional about that. So here's what I want you to do in that bottom block. In that bottom block where the lines are, I want you to write either one or two words. Now hear me out. And hopefully I'll communicate this clearly. If not, it's the first time it's ever been communicated, so give me a little grace. In that bottom block, I want you to write either one or two words. Invest or poured into. Invest or poured into. Here's what I'm asking for. So maybe you can kind of wrap wrap your head around what's in my brain. 
What I'd like to do is to take these Connect cards, and let's say, for example, I'm going to talk. I'm going to use Mr. Ed as an example. Let's say Mr. Ed took that and he wrote on there "invest." And let's say that Mr. Perry wrote on his poured into. Then what my job would be to do is to prayerfully consider and to look at those people and to see who we might could pair up for a season to help them grow. Does that make sense? So you're either, you're either willing to say, hey, I'm willing to invest in someone else's life. Or you're saying, hey, in this season that I'm in right now, I need to be poured into. There's nothing wrong with either one of those, wherever you are in that season. So you either want to invest in someone else's life, so you would write invest, or you would say poured into. And here, hey, some of you this morning, you might say, it doesn't really matter. I'm willing to invest or I'm willing to pour in. Now, here's the thing, too. It doesn't mean we're trying to play matchmaker in a way. We're not. We're just trying to maybe pair some people together or see who we might could group together in different groups. I don't know. It might not work. Some of y'all might not turn it in. It's okay. But some of you may, and it may be the thing that helps someone connect and take that next step. Because what are we talking about today? What's next? Lord, teach us your way. Teach us your will that we may walk in your truth. Right? But also, what do we see in Acts chapter 2? That there was fellowship, there was breaking of bread, there was, fe- there was community, there was, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That's what we want to be about. We want to help people grow in their faith. We want to help people connect with God and to connect with one another. So take your connect card, write your name, what you'll do, where, you, where will you turn those in, just bring those to the front and um, put them in this, we'll put them in this uh, offering plate. I'll put this over here by the, uh, the calendar, so don't forget about the calendar. The summer calendar is over here along with the listening sessions. Again, invest or pour into. And really quickly, I know time is nigh, but here's one thing I love about that passage that I share with you this morning. But before I share that, I just want to remind you that there are next steps to be taken both in your life and in the life of ministry of Bethel Baptist Church. And so I, my prayer is, you know, that you'll be willing to step out and take that next step of faith. But one thing I want to show you this morning, there may be someone here today that, you know, maybe you you don't know where you stand with the Lord. And one thing I appreciate about Miss Jenny is she led us to Psalm 86, verse 11, and I'm thankful for that reminder. But you know what else she challenged me with, or she challenged her family with, and they challenged me? She said, I want to make sure that the gospel is clearly presented during my home-going service. Okay, yes, ma'am. But you know what happened? I sat down, I began to read this text, and I want to show you very quickly the gospel in Psalm 86. What you're about to see is just a uh, copy of my notes. And so I want to step through this very quickly. First and foremost, the gospel. That we have to acknowledge, as David says, I am poor and needy. And so this morning, I've come to ask you, maybe there's someone here today, maybe you need to ask yourself, and I apologize, I can't read it because it didn't translate very well when I took a photo of this. Have you come to the end of yourself? Can you, has there been a day and time in your life that you can say that you've turned to the Lord and you've said, I am poor and needy. I cannot do it on my own. Secondly, I want you to see that David says 
that you preserve my life and you save your servant who trusts in you. Not asking you to trust in the church, not asking you to trust in this old pastor. I'm asking you to trust in Almighty God. Amen. That there first you've got to come to the end of yourself and realize, like David did at one point, I'm poor and needy. Secondly, we need to be reminded that, it, that the Lord will save, amen? And he saves us because we trust in him. Look in the, la- in the bottom half of this passage. David says, give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and listen to my plea for grace. Grace is amazing, amen? You, God does not give you what you deserve. He doesn't give you what you owed. He gives you grace. Then look back. Look back just above that. What does David say? He says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Friends, there's the gospel right there in Psalm 86, verse 1 through 6. I'm poor and needy. Lord, Will you save me? I'm going to trust you. Lord, will you hear my plea for grace? Thank God that you are forgiving and abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Oswald Chambers said this, We will never receive if we ask with a certain result in mind because we are asking out of our lust, not out of poverty. A pauper does not ask out of any reason other than the completely hopeless and painful condition of his poverty. As Jesus said in Matthew, the account of the gospel, he says, Blessed are the paupers, the poor in spirit. Oswald Chambers went on to say, Have you ever sought God with your whole heart? Or have you simply given him a feeble cry after some emotionally painful experience? So I want to ask you this morning, will you bow with me and let us pray? Father God, I thank you. Lord, thank you for the call to what's next. Lord, I don't know what's next in the lives of these, your people. Lord, I don't know if there's one here this morning who has never realized what we saw in David's psalm today. Lord, have they ever come to the end of themselves and and acknowledged that they are poor and needy, that they can't save themselves, that, that they can't do it on their own? Lord, have they, have they realized that, you are, that you'll save them? Lord, that you'll hear their plea for grace, you'll hear their plea for mercy. Lord, if they'll simply turn to you and trust you. Father, I pray this morning, as we talked about what's next here at Bethel, Lord, I pray that you would indeed teach us your way, your will, that we would walk in your truth. Lord, help us to keep walking. Help us to keep learning and growing. And Father, I pray this morning, Lord, we have opportunities coming up to be a part of the conversation of what God wants to do here at Bethel. And Lord, I thank you for these folks. I thank you for the burdens and the experiences they've had in their life. Father, I pray as we come together at the table, Lord, come together centered around you, Lord, that you have the preeminence, that that we're going to put you first. Lord, I pray for inward and outward, and I pray for those conversations. Lord, help us to see clearly what it is we're to do to walk in your way and to walk in your truth. 
Father, I pray for the listening sessions. I look for the opportunities of those I'll get to sit down one-on-one with and and to hear their heart and to hear their story and and to just hear what you're doing in their lives. Father, I pray for those who would be bold enough to fill out that Connect card and turn it in, who are willing to invest in the life. Maybe it's not someone in this service. Maybe it's one of these older gentlemen willing to invest in one of these younger men that are hungering and thirsting for someone to come alongside of them and maybe have breakfast with them and study your word together and, and to walk with them and love and encourage them. God, I don't know what you want to do, but God, I trust you. Like David said, Lord, we trust you and I trust you that you'll save or that you'll add to our numbers, not because of anything we're doing, but because we're making much of Jesus and people are turning and repenting of their sins and giving their hearts and lives to him. And so, Lord, we ask as we leave here today, Lord, I thank you for our fathers. But, Lord, I thank you for you. I thank you for all that you are, for all that you've done, and, Lord, all that you want to do in our hearts and lives. Thank you for wanting to have a relationship with old sinners like us to make us more like you. Father, we ask all this in the mighty and precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.